Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I've always thought positively about how things would be if we did get a professional that come out and then more and more would come out. But the terms of how racism's going backwards at the minute and we're getting worse and worse for that kind of leads me to think that things aren't going to be better. Gay footballers that might be thinking of coming out might be looking at that thinking, that's not necessarily the place for me. <laughs> Welcome to Bench, the podcast that brings you the inspiring, harrowing and sometimes absurd stories that are just sitting on the sidelines of sports. I'm Jasmine Anderson and I'm a queer writer and journalist who writes about LGBT issues for the eye and I'm your host for today. In this episode, we'll be talking about an issue that often gets overlooked in football, homosexuality. Homophobia has been silently ignored for decades in football until Justin Fashionu came out in 1990. But rather than the news bringing a dawning of a new era in the sport, Fashionu faced years of abuse on and off the pitch and died by suicide in 1998. There was silence again until 2013, when then Leeds United player Robbie Rogers came out as gay and retired from professional football. Robbie's coming out started a discussion about the toxic environment football has created for gay players. After him, two more footballers who played in England came out. The former Aston Villa, West Ham and Everton player Thomas Hitzelberger and Liam Davis, who was outed by his local newspaper in 2014. But it's been five years since, and no other players in England have come out, and the conversation that Justin Fashnu and Robbie Rogers had started faded away once again. So today on Bench, we will reopen that conversation with our guest Liam Davis. Liam is a semi-professional footballer at Cleethorpes FC. In 2014, he was called England's only out footballer by his local paper, when in fact he had not publicly come out yet. After that, he actually did become England's only active out player, and also an outspoken campaigner in the fight against homophobia in football. Hi Liam. Hello. So, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, My name's Liam Davis. I've been playing football since a young age. I used to play for Grimsby and then went on to play throughout non-league at teams like Brig, Gainsborough and on to Cleethorpes where I've finished. So, of course, we're speaking today about sexuality and football. So, when did you realise you were gay? Um, I started having thoughts at about 16, 17. I did come out at about 18. Um, It was common knowledge between 
everybody about me being out and I, I was out at all my football clubs before the local paper picked up on it. However, they did an article based on some tweets I did about Thomas Hitzelsberger's coming out after him retiring and that's where the article came from. So it wasn't a case of they outed me as such. They was just picking up on things that I had said in on Twitter and th- that's where it all came from. And did you feel that you were ever treated differently by the footballers on your team? You know, you must be one of the few people who were openly gay within their own teams, never mind in the public eye. Um, I've never felt any different to what any other player would. And I've been in probably seven or eight dressing rooms whilst being openly gay in all of them and not one has felt any different to what anybody would expect inside the dressing room everything's a lot more close-knit than people seem to think it's I think the the negative stigma is more broader than your dressing room did you ever feel that your sexuality was at odds with the sport did it cross your mind when I was a youth player at Grimsby I definitely thought it would have been a bad thing to come out at that time um looking back now I don't know if it would I, I would have done it differently I, I felt it like it would have been different if I had but um I, at the time I definitely felt like I probably wasn't ready to yeah sure and it, it takes its time to get there and you know we've seen what happens when people do not have that support in the public eye even if they have taken that time to get there so you know we're thinking about Justin Fashnu you know, his story is a really harrowing one and one where even his brother up until last year didn't support the fact that he came out as a gay man and he came out as a gay footballer. Were you, were you aware of his story growing up? Not in depth. I've learnt more about it since I've become a bit older, but at the time, obviously, he, he died when I was eight. It was not something that I was really even aware of at the time, but looking back and knowing about it, it's it's very, very hard to hear and the whole situation is very derogatory on football in general and that's probably a breaking point. You'd think it should be the one that sets it off in motion of things happening, but it didn't. It just kind of went straight back into its shell and it's not nice to see. And did you feel when you did come out, there was any lineage before you? Did you feel that you could stand on the shoulders of people like Robbie Rogers and say, you know what, um, this may have not been the way that I thought that I would be outed in football or I would come out, but I feel like there's some trajectory there for me to rely on. I've spoke to people who are in, in sport and homosexual and you've always got that support. But for me, my sexuality was secondary to me playing football. So I was always playing football and then I just happened to be gay and it took it from there. So I never really thought of having to deal with anything like that. And it never really bothered me, if I'm honest. Do you feel there's more of a network now you have come out and you can turn to these people and, you know, find that strength in the community? Because I think one of the amazing things about being LGBT is the strength of this other family, the strength of this queer backbone in society. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And especially the more that things don't happen, the closer they become, if that makes sense. And I feel like that everyone's pushing in the same direction for it. But like I said, it was never a case of I, I needed anything else for me. But that's my mind personally. I was always happy with who I was and I was just playing football on the side. I never really thought of myself having to be this shining light or anything like that. But that's just how it is. You had this media storm like nothing we've seen in a very long time. Nothing since we've seen since, you know, fashioning really. And, you know, that 
bit of Robbie Rogers before he ended up retiring. Did it seem bizarre that you, as a man who is so comfortable about his sexuality, had told the people that you play with, all of a sudden there was these newspapers knocking at your door wanting to know everything about your personal life? It was a little bit harrowing. I was quite happy doing the first piece and I did a couple more and then it just became relentless. It was more of a strain just to having to say no to this and no to that. And I could completely understand if a professional footballer came out how harrowing it must be because it's it, it was constant. It was My phone was constantly going off for three or, three or four days until it kind of petered down a little bit. But it, I don't know if I see it as a negative thing. I know they're looking for a story and I know people are trying to promote it, but obviously people have their agendas and it was a case of trying to do what I thought was best for me and best for the situation. How did your partner feel about the attention? Because, of course, you know, it's one thing for you to, to get that barrage and then you're bringing the person who you love into this entire dynamic, you know. Yeah, he um, he wasn't overly chuffed. He's kind of a bit of an introvert anyway and doesn't really like people in general, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> so it was, he was OK with me doing what I needed to do, but he just keeps himself to himself. It's really good that you've got that that relationship where you can, you know, tackle that strain. I can imagine for a lot of footballers past where they haven't had a partner and they've had to deal with this, they, they do turn inwards on themselves. I can imagine it being very difficult for, uh, even I imagine people out there that maybe have a partner, but obviously nothing can be done. They can't show the support and they can't, they've, they've got to hide away. And I think that would probably be even harder. Do you think a lot of people in football are encouraged to live this double life anyway, even beyond sexuality? They're taught to keep one thing on the pitch, be this performer and put everything else to the side. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there's, there's this bravado in football that shouldn't be like that. Everybody changes in football. It's it's a, it's a weird concept. There's what people are like when they're out with the missus and or and the mates and then what they're like when they're in the changing room or on the pitch they're two completely different people and it's the same with fans fans are the same and there's such a split kind of personality of in as soon as it becomes football it's everything changes people seem to think it's all right to act like this at football but they wouldn't dare to do it in front of the missus or anything on the streets but everybody's the same it's this weird football bravado it's very hard to speak of. Why do you think people end up like that? You know, I've seen it, we're 76 of the cop where everyone's going absolutely bonkers, they're swearing, they lose sight of themselves and I don't get what what takes over. What do you think it is? I, I honestly haven't got a clue. It's it's not, it's like a the need to win and win by any means necessary and that is a saying in football, it's You'll do anything you can to to win, whether it be a slight little cheat or a little thingy, a little thing there. But I'm guessing it's probably the same for diehard fans as well when they go. If they can put somebody off who's playing the opposition team, then they'll do it. And I don't know. I just think it's a a very weird concept in general. Mm, that that mob mentality, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the Chelsea thing recently with the racism and. The guy whose picture got slapped all over the paper, his, his thing is saying, oh, I'm not a racist, and I've never been anything like that, blah, blah, blah. you've just been seen doing monkey noises on the side of the pitch. What do you expect people to think? And you know that with the game, 
it's taken that long for people to get their heads around racism. And, you know, we're having this same thing with homophobia now where it, it seems to be two generations behind. You know, what do you think is going to happen to make people catch up? I, I don't know. I don't know if it'll even be a case of if somebody came out and everything could get better. I don't know if that would be the case. Um, I, I've always thought positively about how things would be if we did get a professional that come out and then more and more would come out. But the terms of how racism's going backwards at the minute and we're getting worse and worse for that kind of leads me to think that it, it, things aren't going to be better in the future and it's not going to be getting any better any quicker the racism thing was very much being sorted it was getting less and less it was obviously still there but as a, a lot less but now it seems to be back and back quite bad so it's not really gay gay footballers that might be thinking of coming out might be looking at that thinking that's not necessarily the place for me <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, you know, everyone's there wearing the rainbow laces, but it's an entire mentality you've got to change with both the fans and the football pitch. Yeah, there's a lot of like aspects to it that people don't consider. Obviously, you could be in a very, very strong religious dressing room, especially the higher up you go, you're getting players from different African nations, you're getting players from different European nations everybody has different beliefs and their beliefs whether they we think they're right or wrong they're their beliefs if they don't think homosexuality is right then they'll go into the dressing room and they'll they'll think that and then it becomes a very hard thing because it's belief against belief and it's the same with fans it's the same with managers everybody has their beliefs on certain things and I think that's what's making things quite difficult. And, you know, you must really love and support the fans, but have you been on the receiving end of any homophobic remarks from them? Um, not partic- I've seen the animalistic side, but not particularly specific to me. But I've had things on the pitch a couple of times. A player from another team, the, the pretense of it was something was said out of the blue. I wasn't even talking to him. I was talking to another player on his team at the corner, and he's turned around and called me a gay cunt. His teammate even turned around and just said, ignore him, you know, he doesn't mean it, or something along them lines. But then my teammates, as soon as I mentioned it after the game, or we brought it up after the game, the first person to deal with anything was the manager who said, if you, want to, if you want to report it to the ref, we'll back you up and the players will back you up. But I didn't, I didn't report it in the end. It was, like I said, water off the duck's back kind of thing. But straight away, I had the support of my chairman, my manager and my teammates if I were to go and do anything. Did you feel it would be, it would be an issue if you did report it? Did it feel like a big deal? Um, not particularly. There has been uh, one other time and I did report it because the kid who said it was an absolute div. What happened there? Well. It was in the FA Vars, the game before we went to Wembley, um, and he was pretty derogatory all game, in in fact. And uh, he said something, call me a sausage muncher or something along them oh, lines. Jesus. And I did report it to the ref during the game, reported after the game, and the lad that said it got an eight-game ban, I think it was. Eight-game ban and his club got a fine. Um, but yeah, so it, it got dealt with. I didn't get told it got dealt with, but it did. 
So did he say that directly to your face? Did he just shout it at you? Yeah, pretty much. I was pretty much arguing all game, but that's normal in football. You, I was playing left wing, he was playing right back, and you were just arguing normal. But yeah, he um, he had pr- pretty much maybe 10 times said something derogatory in a gay tense. 10 times? Could well have been, yeah. Oh, that's a jerk. And did any of your teammates hear what he had to say? Um, most of it, when you're like one on one, it's you. You don't really tend to hear what everybody's saying, but like the one of my teammates that did hear it, he he said something to him, and the lad just brushed it off. But that's just football mentality in general. Just brush it off and forget about it. Tends to be yeah, nobody seems to be bothered. That's really tough, and you know at that point it must have felt like. Your sexuality was brought up in a context where you didn't want it to be. You know, like you've said, you're a football player first. Your sexuality is something off the pitch, you know? And then there's someone holding that against you because they think you've made a wrong move in a game. That's the way you think what happens on the pitch stays on the pitch. What happens in your home life stays in your home life. But for some reason, people can't seem to let things be. But that's that's just the way it is with life in general. You're not going to be bothered about who's going home and sleeping with a missus but so why should you be bothered about who's going home and sleeping with a fella for sure and you know you you got you saw that fine come into action but do you know if that club ever you know took it upon themselves to retrain this bloke you know to give him a bit of a wider education about lgbt people and why that is unacceptable i'm not sure whether his club did anything but as part of his fine and ban he was told to go on a one of the FA courses, I know that. Whether he learnt anything or not, or whether he actually wanted to learn anything, it's a different matter. But yeah, he was he was part of it, was told to go on an FA course for inclusion or something along them lines. Looking at the game as a wider concern, we had the last World Cup in Russia. The next one's going to be in Qatar, where it's illegal to be gay. And, you know, FIFA have just turned around and said, just don't have sex while you're out in Qatar. How does that make you feel as a player? Yeah, I don't I don't really um, think FIFA are great for anybody or anything apart from themselves, but when the governing body for the world is literally just brushing racism and homophobia, anything like that off, and like it's nothing, then what chance have you got? But things have got to change somewhere along the lines with somebody, whether it be them or maybe lower down. UEFA, I went to, I was lucky enough when I was off in the summer to go to the Europa League final through UEFA. UEFA paid for it all and... Part of it was it was for the equal game campaign. It was all based around homosexuality in football, and they promoted that really well. So obviously UEFA are planning to push it, but whether FIFA will do the same, um, I won't hold my breath. And do you think it's the way that they they don't really act on homophobia and racism? And do you think it's that stagnation that's that's meaning nothing's changing? Uh, there's no trickle down effect. I think all it would take is for them to stamp down on anything in general and you'd start to see that ripple effect going right the way through everything. But when FIFA don't care, it's very hard for anybody else to care and push things. All it takes is for to ban a team from a competition and that way the fans do get hit. That's the best way to tackle with racist abuse from the, sta- uh, from the stands. Not a fine and play a game behind closed doors. Nobody's missing out on anything then. Looking at the FA as well, there's been quite a few reports from coaches where they've said, I know eight gay Premier League footballers. 
everyone is interested in that story because there's been so few people who have come out. But what do you think that does to the gay people who could be on the receiving end of, of an article like that? I, I don't know whether it would help coming out as such. Um, obviously, if these people that they've spoke to about it are coming out and saying, oh, I know people that are, it's kind of like feeling like you're being outed without being outed, if that makes sense. If you're confiding, confiding in coaches, you're confiding in them not to say anything, let alone to say, I know of people that are, that are out and they're just hiding away. I, I do think that there's a lot more people know about a lot more people. I think there'll be a lot of people out there that are out and are playing in football clubs where 50% of the people at the club probably know that they're gay, but they're just not out to the public. And, and I don't know whether that speaks volumes of football in general or not, but like I've always said, from my side of it, it's my dressing room's always been positive. My fans have always been positive. Going higher up the leagues, I don't know how the media and changing rooms in general will be different, but there must be players out there. And, you know, it's getting harder than ever to keep something like your sexuality secret. Do you think it's actually an effort now for people to hide the fact that they're gay or bisexual? Uh, I think it'll be a a big a lot more of a bigger challenge when you've got people can screenshot things, people can take pictures of people anywhere. There must be a lot of sneaking around to do to to keep things quiet, and I can't imagine that being a fun way to go about things. Back in the day, it might have been a bit easier when you didn't have camera phones all over and CCTV on every building, papers out to get people. But yeah, I can imagine it being can be quite. I'd I'd see it as very negative for me. I'd I'd feel like it's a real burden if I'm sneaking about all the time it shouldn't have to happen that is it for this episode of Benched if you want to hear more stories like this one the inspiring the harrowing and the absurd stories that are sitting on the sidelines in the world of sports check out Benched in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe this episode of Bench was produced by Jake Atayevich theme music by Matt Huxley Editing by Jake Otayevich. That's all from me, Jasmine Anderson. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>